0: Pastor Xavier Reese, with this reminder
1: about our calling as God's church. Vision for the community begins with us. You can't give what you don't have, right? It's like the measles. You gotta have them before you can give them. The first century church, as you know, was a community concerned church, conscious that they were the hope of a dying people. They weren't concerned about being culturally relative, they want you to live your life by the cultural agendas. You never do that.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that if you aim at nothing, you're likely to hit it. Unfortunately, that seems to be the game plan of too many churches today. Well, Pastor Xavier says it doesn't have to be that way. And as he continues his Simple Truths series of studies on the nature of the church... He brings us some practical challenges and applications for the church to follow so that they can get back on track
1: and hit the target that God has set for his believers. Let's listen. We have learned some um, things about the church, who she is, and what she's to be. The church is the call out people to hear the voice of God, the community of God's redeemed. The church has many members. Every believer is important and has a vital function in the priesthood of the believers we've seen. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit who is the life and the source of the church. We've seen that very clearly. The church is transformed by prayer and the word of God. The church is to know and be known by her distinguishing mark, agape love, but never at the expense of doctrine never at the expense of doctrine. The church, by her diversity, magnifies unity as each believer lives their life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The church experiences opposition from within as well as from without, but the most dangerous is from within. So in view of all this that we've studied about the nature of the church, we want to look at this last and final teaching on the importance of the vision of the church. Even as a bride has a vision for the future, and not simply um, to maintain, but to develop and increase her family, so the church, the bride of Christ, must have vision to develop and increase the family. Complacency is the mother of poverty and unnecessary sufferings. Where there is no scriptural vision, the people perish, the Proverbs tells us, 29, 18. Now, the people of God are characterized throughout the Bible as visionaries, as you know, not seeking to accomplish their own will, their own desires, their own goal, but only what they know to be the mind and the will and the purpose of God. And that is found in his word, as we've seen. Noah knew he had to build an ark. And to preach salvation to an evil generation. That was God's vision. Given to Noah. Abraham journeyed by faith to inherit a country. And a son in his old age. That was God's vision. Not Abraham's. David made preparation for the building of the temple. And though he could not build it himself because he was a man of blood and war. Yet it was fulfilled through his son. But it was God's vision, not David's. Paul made himself available to God, and he took the gospel of the Gentiles. That wasn't Paul's vision. It was God's vision. Notice it is God directing through his word, always. Two important factors are used by God for vision. First, availability. If you're going to be used, you must make yourself available as the church. Secondly, flexibility. If you're going to make yourself available, you must be pliable to personal disappointment, change, and openness to absolute obedience to God, what he's called you to do, what God called me to do. I look back 38 years later. I can see it clearly, but I didn't see that clearly going forward. It was one step at a time, one day at a time, one obedience at a time. Too often the church lives in an inward state, preoccupied with their own need, having tunnel vision. So the church gets preoccupied with herself. The vision of the church must be both short-term and long-term. In view of the short-term is the present, the immediate regeneration of that generation. You've got to reach it. In the long-term the future generations, both encompassing the community of the church reaching out to the world. Now, we might look at vision in two ways. Our general vision, what is revealed in the scriptures about the absolute need of preaching salvation to the lost, general vision. Secondly, you have special vision, how God will do it. The open doors, the methods that God will use in honor, in reaching the contemporary world. And so the church with her vision is threefold. First, vision for the local church. Second, vision for the community. Third, vision for the world. Three simple steps. Let's begin here with vision for the local church. This is the foundation for the following two. To have vision, first of all, For people to know God personally and not just knowledge. Very important. There's a big difference. The invitation of salvation is but the beginning of spiritual life. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, as you know, in John 3, verse 3 through 5. You must be born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. That's just the beginning, it comes through the preaching of the word. Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and twenty-nine. For what reason? That they may know that God has forgiven all their sins. Psalm one oh three, twelve, casting them as far as east as the west. Micah seven nineteen, put them in the deepest ocean. And let me give you my footnote. You put a sign there no fishing. They're gone. Also that they may know they are new creatures before God. Second Corinthians 5, 17. I don't care what has happened to your life. I don't care what you've done, what you've committed. Once you come to Christ, he's made you whiter than snow. You still remember, other people remember, you may have to pay the consequence down here on earth, but before God, you're absolutely whiter than snow. You must understand that. Also that they know their potential is in Christ, not themselves, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, John 15, 5. From the minute I'm born again, I am to have constant dependency upon God, just like a baby who's connected to his mother with an umbilical cord. The transformation after initial salvation then follows. A life process in their spiritual journey to know Jesus personally more and more. I am predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, Romans 8, 29. If there's no transformation and confirmation and of predestination, simple. I am to know Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith, Hebrews 12, 2. I am to come to Him boldly before the throne of grace that I may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need, Hebrews 4 16. At any time, I can go before God as a child of God. I don't need to go through the pastor, I don't need to go through elders. You have personal access to God. I am to know Jesus as my Lord for my defense when I fall into sin, through weakness, whatever it may be. If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. In 1 John 1, 1.9. 1 says, My little children, I write these things that you do not practice sin, but when you stumble and fall, you have Jesus Christ the righteous, the advocate for the defense, to keep me in fellowship with God. But also to have vision for people to be equipped and train for the work of the ministry. Jesus did it for the twelve disciples, as he discipled them for three and a half years, sending them out. Matthew 10 1, Acts 1 8. He says, Tarry in Jerusalem to you be doing a power from on high, and they would be witnesses to him, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Paul and Barnabas did it for the saints at Antioch for an entire year. In Acts eleven twenty six, equipping, training for the work of ministry. Paul disciple Timothy, as you know, Acts sixteen three, he traveled with Paul. He was with him in his missionary journeys. And Jesus gave gifts unto men for this purpose apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers in Ephesians four, eleven through sixteen. There's a lot of preaching in churches, but there's very, very little teaching. Teaching and learning takes patience, discipline, and obedience. To just run around by emotions and excitement and doing work, physical work, and making myself feel important, that's easy to do. Before you can tell somebody, you must first learn very important. There in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16... It's for the purpose to do the work of ministry, to edify the body of Christ, to mature believers to the full stature in Christ, to not be deceived, being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, to speak the truth in love, and to be effective as a part of the body in order to enhance the body efficiently out of love. Just as your hand does its part, it complements the whole body. The foot does its part, it helps the whole body. And as all the parts of your body do their function, you are a well-coordinated, healthy, strong, functioning body. But if you hurt your foot, the rest of the body suffers for a while. <laughs> and you can't be as efficient with that. Or just one a little toe. But also to encourage each other, the saints, to have vision to be used of God throughout their spiritual lives. Living in expectation, the vision for the church. By living under the power of the resurrected life, as Paul declared in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. There he says in 10 and 11, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead he's not talking about future he's talking about the power of the resurrection to live now that's what he's talking about okay by not thinking that I have arrived I'm already perfect but pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me in the next verse Philippians three 12. don't be so impressed with yourself this is always a problem with all of us thinking unsound or to think soberly and know that Christ is doing a work through us it's not because of ourselves he works in spite of me as I yield to him in philippians 3:13 and 14 it says by not thinking that i have done all god has for me but forgetting those things that are behind Reaching forward to those things that are ahead that I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I am not to be so impressed with my past activity as God has worked through me as if there is nothing else left for God to do. He has much more. As long as I'm here, he's not through with me. As long as I'm here, he has other things for me. I never arrive while I'm here. Paul declared to the Romans in chapter 15, 23 through 24, that he had run out of places to minister. So he was looking towards Rome and Spain. Can you imagine that? I can't even say we've reached all of Pasadena. (laughs) And we've been here for 25 years. Paul ran out of places. He says, "I'm, I'm looking towards Spain and Rome. The man was incredible. Doctor Livingston, great explorer and Christian pioneer, wrote in one of one magnificent sentence: "Listen, I will go anywhere provided it be forward." This begins with the individual believer knowing Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior personally. It begins, and it never stops. You go forward. Romans ten fourteen says, "How then shall they call on Him?" In whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So it's very important that from the pulpit, the pastor always assumes that they're sinners and preaches and turns that message to reach the lost that may be there. He allows the message to be turned to reach the lost that may be there, always giving an invitation. Whether a person stands up or not doesn't make any difference. The church that does not disciple believers through the teaching of the word is hurting not only the people, but itself. The people will not be able to communicate the gospel and to give a defense for the faith. When other people say, well, I believe this is right, and they don't know how to defend it. Sometimes it's kind of awkward, but... There was a woman today. I just got done with the third service, and I'm walking down by the office there. And, and um, first time she was here, and she was uh, asking me if I had ever looked up a certain uh, website. And she gave me a name. I said, no, no, I'm not familiar with it. And she says, oh, yeah, they do this and that and everything else. And, and without being specific, I said, no, they're off the wall. That can't be scriptural because this this and that. She goes, oh, I thought so. Now, I could have just said, well, I don't want to have something. Oh, okay, that's nice. No, you confront people. You give them the truth right there. Because some people say some off-the-wall things about the Bible. Don't let them get away with it. Just smile real big and say, you know what? You're wrong. The Bible doesn't teach that. You don't have to get all weird or anything. And all this can happen in a church where the word of God is taught by individuals. Because people become complacent. They have no passion. They're not doers of the word of God. 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory for both now and forever. Amen. So the warning, don't be led away with the error of the wicked. Who's the warning? Christians. Non-believers don't deceive non-believers, They're deceived already. I'm talking about Christians. Now the encouragement of the people in the church is that they be occupying until Jesus returns for his church. That's the encouragement. We are to live under the imminent return of Christ. He can come back at any time. The various parables in the Gospels clearly teach responsibility, accountability for reward at the judgment seat of Christ when he returns. All the parables teach that, the majority of them. Titus 3, 11 through 14 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works." the blessed hope, the greater appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Vision for the church is essential, or the church will dry up. Secondly, is vision for the community then, because it begins with us. You can't give what you don't have, right? It's like the measles. You got to have them before you can give them. Vision for the community. The first century church, as you know, was a community-concerned church, conscious that they were the hope of a dying people. They weren't concerned about being culturally relative. They were interested in the people that lived in the culture. There's a difference. Today, our nation, everything around us is culturally relative. They want you to live your life by the cultural agendas. You never do that. Everything's multiplicity of culture. And so pastors are trying to make their churches multicultural and and add blacks and ask Mexicans and some Orientals, all this stuff. Hey, I just preach and whoever gets saved, gets saved. I just preach the word and whoever responds, responds. I don't choose who gets saved. I don't add to the church. Jesus does. Vision for the community. First. To exemplify the life of Christ, not just a group of moral or self-righteous people. Very important. Exemplify the life of Christ. Letting no man despise your youth, as Paul told Timothy. Being an example of the believer in word and conduct and in love and spirit and faith and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12. There should be a difference in your life as night and day before you accepted Christ and after you accepted Christ. A hundred and eighty-degree turn, man. You were going this way and seeing the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord be our examples of suffering and patience. James 5:10. Christ being the model example of suffering, whose steps we are to follow. 1 Peter 2:21. recognizing that we are the salt of and light of the earth for our generation, Matthew 5, 13, and 14. If God tarries, our children will be the light and salt to the next generation. Salt purifies and preserves. Light dispels darkness and guides. Communicating that we are sinners as they, saved by the grace of God, in need of constant grace. No one can work. For their salvation. No one's excluded. For salvation. All come by the same way. By grace. Through faith. And all are forgiven exactly the same. All they've ever done. No sin. Is impossible for God to forgive. Except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to believe. You'll cross that line. Also to meet practical needs. As God leads and provides the church has always met physical needs such as food and clothing uh, whenever possible throughout history the church has always been the source of direction for people family lives and difficulties of life the church has always been involved in the care of the less fortunate orphans elderly But a church that understands her primary vision and responsibility will never allow these things to replace the priority of the gospel. But all these things come alongside the gospel. You understand? Too many churches become humanitarian organizations and they feed and clothe and visit the uh, orphans, but they don't preach the gospel. You're not a church then. You're a humanitarian organization. You never allow those physical things to replace the gospel. The gospel goes first, and then because we have compassion, we bring along some things that can help, but we never replace the gospel. The danger too often is the material things And help substitute the gospel. Yet we must be very careful that we not provide these physical things simply to preach the gospel. So we don't use the gospel as a bait to give you things. I don't say, well, let me preach and then maybe I'll give. No, no, no. It's not a hook for it. We help materially because we have compassion for the lost. And we demonstrate the love of Christ. There's a delicate balance. The gospel must not be lost by material things, for God has set the agenda for the church. Their spiritual needs first. You clothe somebody, you feed somebody, now you have someone fed and clothed going to hell. You just delayed the ultimate, just prolonged it. We must never allow the world to dictate to the church her agenda or responsibility. Or they become mere humanitarian works. Paul told the Ephesians that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. F.B. Meyer said, the church which is not a missionary church will be a missing church when Jesus comes. I like that. The church is made up of sinners, as you know who have repented, being transformed to give an example of Christ to the community. But never perfect people. None of us are perfect. But there is a vast difference between our life now in Christ than what it was before.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a gentle reminder of the most important task of the church. And you can request a copy of today's compelling study called The Church and Her Vision. It's available on CD for just $4. And there's much more to this message than time permitted us to share with you on today's broadcast. Now the title to ask for once again is The Church and Her Vision. Or simply mention today's date when you write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Without vision, the people perish. That's the important simple truth Pastor Xavier Reese will examine next time we're together. Hope you'll plan to be here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com